0: good morning afternoon or evening my lovely misfits how are you doing how's your week been has it been good i hope so it is thursday which means we are almost to friday thank goodness because it has been a very long week for me now last week we looked into better understanding the differences between empathy and compassion and this week, we are going to go to the polar opposite side of things. We are going to dive into the dark corners of the human mind to better understand what it means to be a diagnosed psychopath. The term psychopath is used to describe someone who is callous, deceitful, unemotional, and morally depraved. It is important to know that a psychopath would be more likely to be diagnosed with an antisocial personality disorder a broader mental health condition that is used to describe someone who chronically acts out and breaks rules, but only a small number of individuals with antisocial personality disorders are considered to be psychopaths. Psychopathic behavior varies greatly from one individual to another. Some are sex offenders and murderers, but others may be successful leaders, but it all depends on their traits. It's important to distinguish the differences between being a diagnosed psychopath and individuals with psychopathic traits. It's possible to exhibit several psychopathic traits without being diagnosed. Individuals with psychopathic traits don't necessarily engage in psychopathic behavior. Only individuals with said traits who also exhibit antisocial behaviors are considered to be true psychopaths. Now, these traits commonly include antisocial behavior, narcissism, superficial charm, impulsivity, callous and unemotional traits, lack of guilt, and lack of empathy. One study found that about 29% of the general population exhibits one or more psychopathic traits. But just 0.6% of the population is likely to fit the definition of a psychopath. Along with the basic characteristics a person may have of being a psychopath, there's also a list of signs to watch Mm -hmm. out for. They have a lot of signs, so bear with me. As stated before, they can have superficial charm. Psychopaths are often a likable person on the surface. They're usually good conversationalists and they share stories that make them look good. They may be funny and charismatic as well. But they're also pathological liars. Psychopaths tell lies to look good and get out of trouble. But they also tell lies to cover up their previous lies. They have difficulty keeping their story straight and sometimes they forget what they've said. If challenged by anyone, simply change their story again or rework the facts to fit the situation. They can have a grandiose sense of self-worth. Psychopaths have inflated views on themselves. They see themselves as important and entitled. They often feel justified to live according to their own rules, and they think that the laws don't apply to them. And they are really good at getting people to do other things that they want. They may play on one person's guilt while lying to get someone else to do their work for them, and they lack remorse. Psychopaths don't care how their behavior affects other people. They may forget about something that hurts someone, or they may insist that others are overreacting when their feelings are hurt. Ultimately, they don't experience any guilt for causing people pain. In fact, they often rationalize their behavior and blame the other person. They don't show many emotions, at least not any genuine ones. They may appear cold and unemotional much of the time, but when it serves them well, they might exhibit a dramatic display of feelings. These are usually short-lived and quite shallow. For example, they may show anger if they can intimidate someone, or they might show sadness to manipulate someone, but they don't really experience these emotions. They also live a parasitic lifestyle. They may have sob stories about why they can't earn money, or they may often report being victimized by others. Then they take advantage of the kindness of others by depending on them financially. They use people to get wherever they want with no regard of how that person may feel. And psychopaths struggle to follow rules, laws, and policies much of the time. Even if they set out to follow the rules, they don't usually stick to them for very long. Most psychopaths exhibit behavioral problems at an early age. They may cheat, skip school, vandalize property, abuse substances, or become violent. Their misbehaviors tend to escalate over time and become more serious than their peers' misbehaviors. They often lack long-term realistic goals. A psychopath's goal may become rich or famous, but quite often they have very little ideas about how to get this to happen. Instead, they insist somehow they'll get what they want without putting in any effort. And they lack responsibility. Psychopaths don't accept responsibility for their problems in their lives. They see their issues as always being someone else's fault. They frequently play the role of the victim and enjoy sharing stories about how others have taken advantage of them. Promises don't mean anything to them. Whether they promise to repay a loan or sign a contract, they aren't trustworthy. They may shrug off child support payments, go deeply in debt, or forget about obligations and commitments. Psychopaths tend to view rules as suggestions, and they usually view laws as restrictions that hold them back. Their criminal behaviors are often quite varied. Driving infractions, financial violations, and acts of violence are just a few examples of the array of crimes one might commit. Of course, not all of them get incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Some may operate under shady businesses or engage in unethical practices that won't lead to an arrest. And most psychopaths don't adhere to rules of conditions of release when they are released from prison. They may think they won't get caught again, or they may find ways to excuse their behavior. They might even blame getting caught on other people. While there are plenty of free psychopathic personality tests floating around the internet, the actual test used in psychology is called the Psychopathy Checklist Revised. It's a 20-item inventory most commonly used to assess whether an individual exhibits certain traits and behaviors that could indicate psychopathy. It's intended to be completed along with a semi-structured interview and a review of available records such as police reports or medical information. It is scored by a mental health professional and the scores are often used to predict the likelihood that a criminal may reoffend. offend or whether they are able to be rehabilitated. Core systems may evaluate criminal psychopathic tendencies as a way to predict the likelihood they will commit further violent acts. When most people think of psychopaths, they envision a serial killer in the movies. And while some may commit serious crimes or murder, not all psychopaths are violent. But this does not mean they are not dangerous. However, some studies have found there are successful psychopaths who are more likely to get promoted to leadership positions and less likely to serve time behind bars. This is because they rank higher in certain traits, such as the conscientious traits, and this may help them manage their antisocial impulses better than those who end up convicted of serious crimes. Although not all psychopaths become serial killers, and not all serial killers fit the psychopathic criteria, it's possible they may just have a few of the psychopathic traits, but not enough to be actually deemed psychopathic. In fact, only 1% of the population is or could have been a serial killer and a psychopath. Someone who commits serial murder does not value human life and are extremely callous in their interactions with their victims. But that's a topic for another day. One of the biggest questions about this topic is what causes someone to be a psychopath? Is it caused by a terrible upbringing or is it something more complex? Early research on psychopathics suggests that the disorder often stems from issues related to the parent-child attachment. Emotional deprivation, parental rejection, and a lack of affection were thought to increase the risk that a child would develop to be a psychopath. Studies have found a link between maltreatment, abuse, insecure attachments, and frequent separations from caregivers. Some researchers believe that these childhood issues can cause psychopathic traits. But other researchers suggest that it might be the other way around. Kids with serious behavioral problems may end up with attachment issues because of their behavior. The misconduct might push adults away from them. It's likely that psychopathic traits stem from several factors, such as genetics, neurological alterations. Adverse parenting and maternal prenatal risks, such as exposures to toxins in utero. A study at a medium security prison in Wisconsin was conducted with prisoners who were diagnosed with psychopathy, and scientists discovered that brain development plays a part. The study compared the brains of 20 prisoners with a diagnosis of psychopathy with the brains of 20 other prisoners who committed similar crimes but were not diagnosed with psychopathy. The study showed that psychopaths have reduced connections between the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain responsible for sentiments such as empathy and guilt, and the amygdala, which mediates fear and anxiety. Two types of brain images were collected. Diffusion tensor images, or DTI, showed reduced structural integrity in the white matter fibers connecting the two areas. While a second type of imagery that maps brain activity, a functional magnetic response imaging or FMRI, showed less coordinated activity between the VMPFC and the amygdala. It is said this was the first study to show both structural and functional differences in the brains of people diagnosed with psychopathy. Those two structures in the brain which were believed to regulate emotion and social behavior seem to not be communicating as they should. The researchers also observed deformations in the amygdala showing a thinning of the outer layer of that region called the cortex, on average an 18% volume reduction in this part of the brain. These findings support prior hypotheses of the amygdala deficits, in individual psychopathy indicates that the amygdala abnormalities contribute emotional and behavioral symptoms of psychopathy. But with all of this science, surely there is a treatment for this antisocial illness. At this time, treatment is a widely debated issue. Some researchers report that treatment doesn't help. Others argue that specific treatments can reduce certain behaviors, such as violence. However, most psychopaths don't want treatment to change because they don't see the need to do so. They remain convinced that other people are wrong instead of them. So it's usually those around them who are searching for coping strategies. After all, being around a callous, unemotional person is tough. Whether you think your friend, boss, or relative might be a psychopath, their behavior can take a serious toll on your psychological well-being if you're not careful. It's important to establish healthy boundaries and to recognize when you're at risk of being manipulated. If it's causing you a fair amount of distress, get professional help. A mental health professional can help you establish healthy boundaries so you can take care of yourself. to say a big thank you to all of my listeners and all of my new little misfits out there and stay tuned for the next episode. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram at Podcast or email me at twistedmindpodcast at gmail.com.